we continue in our series called Praying God's Will. Um, I'm loving this series. I'm getting a lot of good feedback um, from from you guys. So uh, it, this is a good series. And in this series, Praying God's Will, we're, we're just going through the Lord's Prayer, um, how Jesus instructed us to pray. Um, so let's... Let's read, uh, we're going to put uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 up on the board, and we're going to just read it out loud together. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So today we're focusing on verse 10, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, it is the magic kingdom. I saw some smiles on people's faces. They're like, I think that's Disneyland. It's Disney World. Yeah. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This is the point of Jesus including this in the prayer. He just got done saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And last week we talked about the importance of honoring the name and the character of our God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. In Jesus teaching us how to pray in this perfect prayer, he starts off by making it abundantly clear that our prayers should be God-centric before they're self-centric. They should be God-focused before we get to self-focused. He's not saying, don't be self-focused. But there are petitions that Jesus makes saying, pray these things. And it starts off with, be God-centered. Pray for His will. Pray God's will. And praying for His kingdom to come is God-centered. Last week I mentioned that God has a prayer list and that He wants us to pray His prayer list before we pray our prayer list. Just godly order. The first petition made, the first request that Jesus made was to pray, hallowed be your name. And then this week we're we're going over the second petition. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Before we dive into what that means, your kingdom come, let's stop for a second and let's talk about the kingdom so that we know what the kingdom of God is. This prayer, the Lord's Prayer, from where we're reading in Matthew 6, it's found in the Sermon on the Mount. starts in chapter 5. And in that Sermon on the Mount, Jesus mentions the kingdom of heaven six times. He calls it His kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus refers to the kingdom as the Father's, saying, Your kingdom come. 
So just to avoid any confusion, we're talking about the same kingdom. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, it's the same. My kingdom, the Father's kingdom, it's the same. There's not multiple kingdoms. There's one kingdom. Matthew 5, 3 says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Luke 6, 20 is telling the same account of the Sermon on the Mount. So this is how Luke phrases it. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Matthew calls it kingdom of heaven, but Luke, John, and Mark all call it the kingdom of God. It's the same kingdom. So what, when, and where is the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, the Father's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom? What, when, and where are those things? When Jesus is saying, pray this way, and he says, pray your kingdom come, I don't believe he's saying, I, I mean, I firmly don't believe, I am firm in my belief that he's not asking us to pray for the second coming of Christ. Because when six times in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, the kingdom is mentioned, nowhere is it this future-based kingdom coming prayer. Nowhere is the mention of the kingdom of God by Jesus in this teaching this future-based thing. It's now. So, Jesus isn't praying, which would be kind of interesting. He's not praying, hey, I'm going to leave, I'm foreshadowing, so pray for my second return to come. No. But yet, sometimes the church thinks that's what we're praying. Which, I don't know how Jesus would have phrased that. I'm going, I mean, I don't know. But that's not what he's praying. He's praying, your kingdom come. R.T. Kendall, amazing um, writer and pastor and, and biblical scholar and lover of the Holy Spirit, um, gives a wonderful definition for the kingdom of heaven. And he believes that this best describes Jesus' teaching on the subject of the kingdom of heaven in the Sermon on the Mount. He says this, The kingdom of heaven is the rule of the ungrieved spirit in the believer. That's an interesting definition. I love that definition. He believes the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of, of an unfettered Holy Spirit, of an ungrieved Holy Spirit in the lives of the believer. Friends, if we go through and read the passages of what when, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, or Paul talks about the kingdom of God. And we keep this definition in mind. We're like, oh, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. I, I firmly believe the kingdom of God is the reign of the Holy Spirit in our lives here and now to bring about the presence of God, the glory of God, the will of God right now. Your kingdom come followed by what? Your will be done. This isn't some futuristic thing. This is right now. Honor the Father. And then pray for His unfettered reign in your life. Ungrieved rule of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
You guys, the Holy Spirit is a sensitive person who can indeed be grieved. Let's not mistake that for weak. Okay? He's not weak, but he's sensitive. And the Bible shows us he can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, shows us that we grieve the Holy Spirit when we walk in things that are contradictory to the seal of the name of God that has been stamped upon our lives. Verse 30 of Ephesians 4, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. When we do not, when we do not push away bitterness, when we do not push away wrath and anger and malice and slander and clamor, when we do not push those things away, the Holy Spirit's grieved. Because there's a stamp upon our lives. There's a stamp upon our lives which reflects the name and the hallowed name of God. Okay? We've, we've been sealed. We've been redeemed from the curse of sin and death. There's a seal upon us. We are Christians. We are as Christ. We are little Christs. And when we don't push away bitterness and anger, when we don't push it away, the Holy Spirit's grieved. Also, when we push away kindness, when we push away tenderheartedness, and when we push away forgiveness to one another, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Does that make sense? What's the grieving of the Holy Spirit? When, when the Holy Spirit is grieved, we have either welcomed something or pushed something away to remind us of His presence and His love and His power and the identity we have in Him. Jesus says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. But when the Holy Spirit is grieved, that awareness, that conscious awareness that we have of who we are in Christ, who the Holy Spirit is, has been silenced. I got a challenge for you. It's not going to be a successful one. Try and hear the Holy Spirit. Try and get direction from God while we're clamoring, while we're disgruntled, while we're being bitter, while we're choosing not to forgive. Just try and hear God. Just try and hear the Holy Spirit. It doesn't work so well. Friends, the kingdom of God is the domain of God's unhindered spirit. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks a lot of blesseds. Blessed are these, blessed are, are these, blessed are these, blessed are you when you do this, blessed are you when you don't do this. You can go and read it, you know, the Beatitudes. Go, go and read the Beatitudes. Blessed are. When the Holy Spirit is at home in us and reigns in us, we're empowered to be poor 
in spirit. We're empowered to be meek, to be pure in heart, to be merciful, to be persecuted because of Christ. See, there's people that say, oh, well, the, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount is it's undoable. We can't do it. It was just given for a certain people for a certain time, but it's unattainable. Without the Holy Spirit, yeah, it is. Without the Holy Spirit, yes, it is. But with the Holy Spirit, it's not. With the Holy Spirit, when we are filled with the Spirit, we can endure persecution, friends. There's a, there's a church out there, outside of our states, outside of our bubble, and outside of these walls, that's being persecuted for the sake of the kingdom every day. And how are they doing it? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit. All the things that Jesus is, Jesus teaches us about and says we're blessed when we do. These things can, can be at home in us when the Holy Spirit reigns. To inherit the kingdom of heaven is to enjoy the blessing and the conscious indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Luke 17, 20 and 21 says this being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Church, to have a kingdom, you must have what? A monarch. We have a king. England has a queen. To have a kingdom, you must have a monarch. You have to have someone who reigns. Someone who rules. Right? In the Old Testament, the monarch was God the Father. According to 1 Samuel 12, 12, God alone was Israel's king. They didn't need another king. They wanted one. They clamored for one. They got one. They regretted one. But God was their king. In Exodus 15, 18, Moses exclaimed, The Lord will reign forever and ever. And King David stated in Psalms 145, 13, that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. So in the Old Testament, that monarch was the father. In the New Testament, the monarch was Jesus. The Magi came from the east asking, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? That's Matthew 2. In Luke 133, the angel told the Virgin Mary that Jesus, the child, would reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then Jesus himself said to Pontius Pilate in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. Today, the Holy Spirit guides us into the truth of how it is best when Jesus reigns. Jesus still reigns. He's still our monarch. It hasn't switched hands to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us into the truth of how it is best that He is the boss. That He 
gets His way, that He gets His will, that His will be done, that His kingdom come and is manifest in our lives. I want to read Luke 17, 20 and 21 again. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, He answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Without the empowering wisdom of the Holy Spirit, that passage don't make a whole lot of sense. Without the powering wisdom of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' explanation does not make a whole lot of sense. So the kingdom of God is invisible, yep, and it's inside of you? Yep. And it's inhabitable and it can be lived in even though it's inside of you? Yeah, you got this. The truth is this, guys. There are some things we will never understand without the quickening of the Holy Spirit. And there are some things we'll just never understand, period, because we walk our lives by faith. But Jesus actually even says to his disciples at the last dinner, he said, there's so much more i got to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. You can't bear it now. It's best that I go away. Because then the Holy Spirit will be sent. And he will guide you into all truth. There's some things you can't bear right now. There's some concepts that are too big for you. But when I go away, the Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. The kingdom of God is one of those things. See, men, we look for tangible things, right? You know, we look for a natural kingdom. I look for a, a, a militant leader and monarch. And that's what they did. That's what the church did. That's what the New Testament church was looking for. Someone to lead them against the tyranny of the Roman government and against religious oppression. And Jesus is like, my kingdom's different. Guys, it's crucial that we place our trust in Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit can complete that work of righteousness in us. So that the Holy Spirit can guide us into the truth of the kingdom of God. In every kingdom, there must be a monarch. So I'll ask, who's ruling your life? Who's ruling my life? To whom do I bow my knee? To whom do I bow my will? Who do we yield to where we say, I really want to do this, but more than anything, I want your will to be done, so I will do this. When we are praying, your kingdom come which is on God's prayer list, we are praying this. Lord, let your kingdom come into being. Let your kingdom arise and come forth and let your kingdom show itself in my life. God, let your kingdom and your name be established and become known in me 
and let your name and your kingdom be established and known through me. Now think back to that definition that R.T. Kendall gave. It is the rule and reign of the ungrieved spirit of God in a believer. And with that in mind, let's read Romans 14, 17. This is Paul. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in... In whom? In whom? In the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. I didn't make this up. I didn't twist this to to fit this message. This is what the Word of God says. The kingdom of God is achieved and brought about and displayed and impacting in our lives when the Holy Spirit has reigned. So I mentioned about the Last Supper and Jesus said, I have so much to teach you. Let's read that. It's in John chapter 16. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will no longer, you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Let's pause for a second. Tell me if this next part, what Jesus is saying, tell me if that doesn't sound an awful lot like the kingdom, like He's talking about the kingdom. He's still talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, He will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, he will take what is mine, the Holy Spirit will take what is mine and declare it to you. He's talking about the kingdom of God. All that the Father has is mine. The kingdom, the kingdom of God is mine. And all that I have, the Holy Spirit's going to declare it to you. The Holy Spirit's going to declare the kingdom of God to you. That kingdom that lives in us, that reigns in us, that is displayed through us, that impacts the world through us, that reaches the lost through us, that expands through us. And the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't this good? We weren't just left alone just to be guided into teachings. We were, we were left so that the Holy Spirit would come and guide us into the truth of the kingdom of God. But we gotta, we've got to let Him have reign. Jesus even said it twice so that we wouldn't miss it. The Holy Spirit will glorify me and take what is mine and declare it to you. He'll declare it to you. He'll take what is mine and declare it to you. What an interesting choice of words. I would have been, he'll take what is mine and he'll give it to you. No, he'll take what is mine and he'll declare it to you. 
that word encompasses the vastness of what the Father has. I said it before. When we look at the Beatitudes and we look at the Sermon on the Mount and we look at the ways that Jesus has called us to live, outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's difficult. But He's talking about the kingdom of God and the ways He wants His kingdom represented and the ways He wants His kingdom declared and the ways He wants the Father's hallowed name to be represented with meekness, with humility, with love, with grace, with forgiveness. In the midst of adversity. In the, in the midst of persecution even. Do you know that in Matthew 6, we've been reading in Matthew 6, a little bit further in Matthew 6, Jesus gives us a cure for anxiety. He gives us a cure for worry, for stress. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God. Let's go ahead and insert that, that definition. But seek first the unfettered, unhindered, unquenched reign and rule of the Holy Spirit in your life and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. If we have this memorized, we, ha we had it memorized in King James. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first. We're not seeking the second coming of the Lord, guys. That is not what, that would be, that's not what Jesus is saying. Once again, He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first that my rule and my reign is established in this place by letting it be established in this place. By letting it be established in this place. By, by letting me rule in this place. And seek my righteousness. And the things you need, they're going to be added unto you. The things you need, they're going to, they're going to fall into proper perspective. They're not going to seem bigger. Because when you focus on my kingdom and you focus on, on my will, you've got the correct perspective. Life is better when God gets to reign in our lives. We are blessed when Jesus gets to rule His kingdom here on earth just as he does in heaven. We are blessed and we are happy when we seek God's will and we pray God's will above our own. This is how we can tithe, friends. Because we seek God's will above our own. This is how we can serve, friends. This is how we can minister. This is how we can minister to a stranger. This is how we can prophesy. This is how we can lay hands on the sick. This is how we can do all the things we're called to do. The kingdom of God ruling and reigning in us. The Holy Spirit having His way. And us wanting God's will so 
desperately and us trusting Him so completely that we're just foolish enough to do what He says. 